Kia ora How we doing? We good? Um, there's a, an incredible sense of God in the place this morning. Um, and even as we did communion, you kind of sit there and you're like, oh God, you're... Um, you become so aware of uh, the power of the blood and just everything that he did for us, and everything that he's done for you, for yourself, and you're humbled by that. So, man, I just, um, yeah, I really feel God just in the place this morning, and real blessed to be here. Um, thank you so much for having us and our team. We rocked up this morning almost 2 o'clock, uh, 2 a.m. in the morning, which was, uh, that's what young people do. Not really, not really. I was trying to stay awake, um, but we had a good time singing in the car, worship songs, of course, worshiping Jesus, but it was real cool, we had a, we had a great time coming out this morning, um, and I always feel like home, uh, every time we hit past Whangarei and we start driving up, and, and now I kind of like, oh, and that's the, this place, and that's this place, and oh, it's about another 20 minutes, or, yeah, and then we'll hit this place. We just felt like we were coming home. and um, So it is awesome to be here, and I hear that there's some amazing things happening in Kaitaia, especially around this whole area of prayer. Um, and I was talking to Pastor Paul this morning, and he was saying about uh, prayer meetings, um, and then, of course, the um, half-night of prayer. And I believe in prayer. And, you know, we're a church built on prayer, but nothing, we can't do anything to change this nation, and we can't do anything to change our community. Yes, we can make an impact, but to see a significant shift in our nation and a significant shift in our schools and even in our own personal lives, it comes down to prayer. And um, Friday night, I was like, oh, man, God, I'm just going to, I've got a full-on weekend. I'm just going to go pray for a couple of hours, a half a night of prayer. Man, we ended up staying for the whole four hours, 11.30 at night, and praying, and young people praying. I just thought, man, God, I'm believing for my answers. I'm believing for my breakthroughs. I'm believing for a move of God in our high schools in Limitless. I'm believing for a move of God in our communities. God, that we went after things like suicide. We went after things like substance abuse. And we're like, man, God, it takes, it takes us to get on our knees and pray and pray and pray. And people like, oh, trying to teach our young people that um, God gives us weapons to 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 fight with, and one of those weapons is prayer. And so um, I love what God is stirring up in the church, not just in our church, but in the church in this nation. All across this nation, there is a prayer movement. And before a move of God happens, there comes a, it's preceded by a movement of prayer. And so I pray that you become stirred up in this whole area. Um, I know that we can't pray enough. I know we have to step out in faith, but we can't pray enough. So I love what's happening here. Um, so let's pray, let's open up in prayer, eh, church. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the house of Kaitaia, Lord, in Limitless, in Church Unlimited, Kaitaia. Father, I thank you for the hunger. Lord, I thank you for that you are calling them to pray, Lord, for their community, for their city, Lord, for their families, for their um, for their children, God. And Father, would you 
uh, breathe upon this church, God. Would you breathe upon every single person, Lord, every child, every young person, Lord, every family that's represented in this house, God. Would you breathe, Lord, your fire on them. Would you cause them to hunger, Lord, for more of you. And as we press in, Lord God, you are faithful to your word. Father, we press in and we believe for those miracles. We press in and believe for an outbreak of God in Kaitaia City, Lord. We Lord, we press in and believe, God, for miracles of healings and salvations of our loved ones. Father, by faith, God, we know that you're true to your word. So this morning, would you release a fresh hunger and a fresh fire for prayer and, Lord, for what you're doing in our hearts in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, we're going to get underway with the word this morning, and I hope you're hungry for it. So we are living in a world that is, at the moment, crazy and turmoil. You know, the world is on alert with all these terrorist attacks, and um, if you've been watching the news with the riots in Virginia, and we face opposition that seems insurmountable, circumstances that are dire straits, our families and our marriages are being attacked, and there's growing fears for our safety in our communities, or, um, and the list goes on, and this world seems to be in disarray. But I believe more than ever that the church was born for such a time as this, for this hour, we watch the news and you're like, man, that is horrific, God. What is happening? But the church was born for such a time as this. To take down giants that are running rampage in our communities and in our nation. To take down giants such as depression, such as suicide thoughts, such as violence. To go after giants that are plaguing and taunting us to say that we're not good enough that we're second class, that we've got no future, and that this is the lot that we deserve. Friends, this is the time that the church was born for. We are going to go after these things. The church is the answer to a broken world. The church is the answer to the broken world. The church is an expression of God's love for us. And we, the church in Kaitaia, we are the hope for the lost and the broken. And so this morning, I want to keep it real basic. I have been um, reading a lot about David, and I want to go after the story of David and Goliath. How many of you guys know the story of David and Goliath? Everybody, most people know. 1 Samuel 17. And so, you know, when you read the Bible, you can normally identify with certain Bible characters. So I, I love Joseph. I'm a Daniel girl. I'm an Esther girl. I love, you know, I love that. But there's something about the life of David that's caught my attention, and I think it's just because he's real. He's real, he's a man after God's heart, but he's real at where he's at. And he is unashamed to pour it out and tell God how it is um, and the grace of God upon David's life. And so David in the Bible has been shouting things at me. And um, so my prayer this morning is that you would hear God speak to you from the life of David. So if you've got your Bibles, it's going to be a little bit lengthy, but stay with me. It is a very cool story. I think that every now and again you have to read familiar stories because it's easy to be like, oh, I know David and Goliath. But when you read, there are things that the Holy Spirit just jumps out and begins to prick your heart. So 1 Samuel 17. I think we've got some slides coming. 1 Samuel 17. And the story, okay, before we get into the story, so there's this epic battle happening between the Philistines and the Israelites. And they're on this valley and... Um, the Philistines are on one side and the Israelites on the other. And there's this valley and out comes this ugly giant, Goliath. And he comes out 
and he begins, and he comes out in all his armory, and he begins to taunt the Israelites. And we're going to go pick up from verse 8. So Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are not the servants of Saul? Choose a man who... Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And this happened for 40 days, morning and night. This Philistine came out. And David is the youngest, okay? So David is the youngest of his siblings, and his job was to look after sheep. But on one particular morning, he gets a call up from his dad, and his dad's like, son, son, take some bread down to, the, to your brothers and see how they're getting on with the fight. Okay, so we're going to go up to verse 20. So early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd and loaded up and set out to, as Jesse, his dad, had directed. And he reached the camp as the army was going out to battle to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and he asked his brothers how they were. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted out his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Verse 25. Now the Israelites were saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. And he will also give him his daughter in marriage and he will be exempt and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Verse 26, David asked the men standing around, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistines and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what has been said and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Verse 28, when Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom, do you, whom, with whom have you left those sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You have only come down to watch the battle. Now what have I done? Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. Verse 31. And David said, and what David had said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent him. Almost there, team. Verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight. Saul replied, you are not able to go and fight these Philistines, uh, go against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Don't you love David's faith? He's like, don't worry, team, I got this. This is his response. Verse 34, David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion and a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Verse 36, and your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of a lion and the paw of a bear will rescue you from the hand of this Philistine. And, and Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. So we're going to take a little break. 
So Saul reckons it's a good idea. Saul thinks it's a good idea for David to wear his armor, right? So you know the story. So he's like, "Yeah, chuck on my armor, be a man, go out," you know. And Saul and David tries on the armor. And he's like, "Yeah, nah, it doesn't fit. It's I, I've got I've got better weaponry." And so he runs down to the stream and he picks five stones and he puts it in a slingshot and he takes off and he goes after the giant. So we're going to go up to verse forty-one. So meanwhile, the Philistines with his shield bearer in front, of, in front of him, kept coming closer to David. And he looked David over and he saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. And he said, David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you the flesh. I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Verse 45, and David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses to the Philistine army, to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all... Those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you unto our hands. And the end of the story is that David runs uh, towards Goliath, and he takes a slingshot, and with one single stone, he, um, he throws it, and it hits Goliath in his forehead and killing, killing the Philistine, and he cuts his head off. I loved reading that story. I know lots of us read it and like, oh, we know this story. But um, I just love it because I love David's faith. I love how he's just this kid that's got guts to go after something that is huge. And so Goliath represents giants in our lives. And if Goliath was here, they say that in the story, he's six cubits in a span, which is something like nine feet Okay, so he was like over three meters. He's huge. Um, but that's what giants look like in our lives. Giants look huge. And this morning, I think a lot of us could be sitting here, um, and you might be thinking, yeah, I'm facing some giants in my life right now. And giants are the things that stand between you and God, between the core, between you and the call of God in your life. And, they, and giants stand there, and they often make us feel lonely. They often make us feel... Um, they can paralyze us. Instead of us fighting against it, we're, we're going to either take off and run away or we're going to tolerate what the giant throws at us. But our giants cause us to have fear in our hearts. But you see in the story of David, he, David faced giants in his life. And this morning, we're going to look at three areas where giants attack us, okay, before we move on in the story. So, One of the areas that giants attack us is the area of identity and who you are. Giants attack your identity and who you are. It says in verse 8, Goliath stood there and he shouted at the ranks of Israel. And he said, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are not a servant of Saul? See, the enemy or the giant in your life has one goal. In John 10, 10, it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. Has he been trying to steal your identity and convince you that you're not good enough? Has he been trying to kill your confidence? Has he been trying to tell you that you can't beat that addiction? Has he been trying to destroy your self-worth and make you believe the lies that you can't dream again? 
Do you honestly think you can fight me? You're You're a servant of Saul. How do you think the Israelites were feeling? 40 days, morning and night, this giant comes out and constantly was tormenting him, constantly going after their confidence. And if that wasn't enough, he... If that wasn't enough, the giants are like, well, hey, why don't you try and be like me? Put on my armor. Go and try and fight the fight with my armor. How many times is the enemy trying to encourage you to be somebody that you're not? How many times are the giants in our lives just like, well, maybe you're not good enough, but if you pretend to be this kind of person, if you try and, and, if you try and keep up with how everyone's looking on social media, maybe, um, maybe you'll be okay. Maybe you can measure up. I see a lot of heads going. "Mm." You see, giants in our lives will always go after who you are, will always attack our identity. They're always trying to pull you down to say that you're not worth it, trying to get you to be somebody that you're not, trying to convince you that that's a better version of you if you you try and pretend to be that person. And don't worry about you. I mean, you don't quite measure up. Giants in our lives will always attack our identity and who we are. Secondly, giants will attack our minds. They attack our thoughts. Goliath was the biggest smack talker there was. The sheer size of how big Goliath was, his daily daily rant at at the Israelites caused fear to grow in in the minds of the Israelites, thinking, man, it is impossible to take down this giant. So back in high school, um, any hockey players here? One, two, two and a half, Pastor Paul, two and a half. <laughs> One, two, three of us. Three of, come on, hockey is the real sport. Amen, amen. Anyway, so I played hockey when I was in um, school. I played school and club. Um, and I used to, I, but I don't know, when it comes to sport, I like being a smack talker. I just like, is that all you got? Like, so anyway, when I got tackled with the ball and I, got, and I lost the ball, I, I would try and run after my opponent and I would just talk smack all the time. Not loudly, but just enough so they could hear. Um, but I was always just talking smack. I was like, bro, is that all you got? And I'd be like pushing and shoving her and we'd be playing and I'm just like, Psh, and I'd take off. And, um, and it, yeah, sometimes I got beaten. Um, but they would, come and they would come back and I'd be just like, I'll just say, like, little snide remarks, like, you just wait. You just wait. I'll get you. I'll get you. And I'll just talk constantly because I knew I was just like, oh, if I can get into their heads, if I can get into their heads. Anyway, I've changed from there. I've moved on. I've moved on from there. Um, but the whole idea was to get into their head and to cause them to fear. Um, but one of the thoughts that are playing on your mind is the question I want to ask you this morning. What are the thoughts that are just playing like broken records over and over and over and over in your mind? Because giants attack probably the biggest battlefield that we will face is just in our minds, is our thoughts. That you're not good enough. Oh, really? Am I? I'm not too sure. Like, and it causes us to bring fear. So giants will attack our identity and who you are. Giants will attack our minds and our thoughts. And thirdly, giants attack our relationships and our family and friends. And I think most of you are sitting here like, yeah, man, the enemy is having, the giants are attacking my family, my marriage, my friends. Satan is the master separator. He hates unity. And he is always working overtime 
to destroy unity, to destroy families, to destroy marriages, to destroy friendships, to bring accusation, to bring separation. That's his whole job. You know, often you're just like, oh, it's just, I've got a crazy family. That's just the way it is. Yeah, families are crazy. My family is cray, cray, crazy. But you can tell when the enemy is at work. You can tell when, he is, when there's division, when there's anger, when there's separation. It's the work of the enemy in your life. It's funny to think that in verse 28, out of all the people who were offended by David's faith, it was his own brother. His own brother burned with anger when he heard his younger brother going, man, I'm going to take this giant on. And his older brother's like, bro, you just came just to watch the fight. If I was David, I'd be like, yeah, I came to watch the fight. That's what people do, you know? Like, yeah, man. If I know in schools, they're like, back, back in those days, back in those days when they'd be like, fight. Everybody went to go and watch a fight. But out of all the people, giants will go after your family, your friends, after your marriage, after your friendships. He will attack in that area. Giants will attack your relationships with your husband, with your wife, a family member, relationship with your work boss. He will attack your friendships. Giants will attack our identity and who we are. Giants will go after and attack our minds and our thought life. Giants will go after our relationships, go after our family and friends. But there's something that you need to know about giants. That giants in our lives, you don't have to be scared of giants. You don't have to be scared of those things that are coming against you because giants just reveal who you are. It's the opportunity to reveal who God is in your life. You can have a giant facing you and you're like, oh, that's a pretty big giant. That's a pretty, oh, that's, that's, that's going after my mind and my self-esteem and my confidence. Oh, that's going after my marriage. That's going after my, one of my closest friendships. And oh, God, I don't know how to deal with that. But if we switch our mind and just think, man, this, yeah, that's the giant that I'm facing, but it's an opportunity to say, man, God, this is who you've made me to be. You've made me to, I'm going to take this down. So how do you go about taking giants down in your life? How do we go about when we've got a struggling marriage? How do we deal when we're trying to be a better parent? What about the giant of debt and not having enough? How do we take down the giant of fear and anxiety in our lives? How do we, push, how do we pull down the past failures and discouragements and addictions and unemployment? How do we deal with that, God? How do I take down those giants in my life? Here's some of the simplest things that we can do. But I believe if we put these simple things into practice, it will change, it will change our lives. So when we look at the story of David and Goliath, David teaches us so many things. One, David teaches us to, be, to win in the small things. To win in the small things. I don't know if you go to the gym. I know Fetu does. Benches a lot. Always working out. Same with Lance. They don't go to the 200 kg and pick up a weight and start benching it. They start with the, what do you start with, Lance? Oh, mate, sorry, sorry. Sorry, he doesn't go straight to the 500 kg he starts at 400. 
and he stays on 400 for two years until he gets stronger with the 400 and he begins to build his faith up. Next week, he goes to 410. Next couple of months, he goes to 450. After that, he goes to 460. Imagine if Lance went straight to 500 and hadn't gone to the gym for the whole year. We would be visiting him in hospital. But it's the same thing with David. David didn't, didn't see Goliath and go, oh, man. He didn't have faith just because he, he had faith. You know why David had faith? Because he knew he was, if you read it, his job was to look after sheep. That's why I think I like David. I'm like, man, this guy was behind the scenes. His job was to get up early in the morning, open the gate, go find the sheep, sit with the sheep, sing with the sheep, talk to the sheep, feed the sheep, and then walk back out, close the gate, go home. And then Tuesday he gets up, he goes, open the gate, find the sheep, feed the sheep, talk to the sheep, sing to the sheep. Day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Everybody was doing other stuff. All David was doing was looking after sheep. And in fact, prior to that, if you read the, uh, I think chapter 16, it talked about how David had been anointed to be the next king of Israel. And yet he was being this person that just looked after sheep. I don't know, but he must have been thinking, did I get something wrong here? I thought I was going to be the next king, and here I am is looking after sheep. And now my dad's wanting me to take some bread down to the battle. Shouldn't I be at the battle? Like I'm meant to be the king, the next king. David wins the battle because he wins in the small things. When we stay faithful and committed in the small things, it builds and strengthens us for the bigger battles. And the truth is, if we went straight to the 500, 500 kg, we would be in hospital. We would be defeated. How many of you guys are any Karate Kid fans in the house? <clears throat> that was maybe a few years ago. Me and Fetu, just me and Fetu, back in the old era. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Paint up, paint down. Paint up, Fetu's going like this. <laughs> paint up. Paint down. Sand the floor, sand the floor, sand the floor, sand the floor. And, and Daniel-san, Daniel-san, Mr. Miyagi, Daniel-san was like, why the hang am I wax on? Why, why am I washing all these cars? Why am I, all am I doing is painting a house? And he fails to realize, well, he comes later on, he fails to realize that actually he's actually training. And then he learns how to fight because he's like, wax on, wax off. And he begins to defend and he begins to fight that way. See, when we train and we win battles in the small things, it prepares us for the big things. If you watch Karate Kid, he wins at the end with the, thank you, Fetu. Fetu knows what I'm talking about. It's the same thing when we meet with God. I always push this in with my young people. Your five minutes a day with God consistently five minutes today, five minutes tomorrow, five minutes on Wednesday, five minutes on Thursday, becomes six minutes next week, becomes seven minutes the following week, becomes 10 minutes the following week. And when the battles come, you become stronger for it. Whereas if the battle comes and you haven't been and you've been zero time with God and you don't know the voice of God and you're not too sure what the word of God says, it's hard to fight. 
And I love that David won in the small things. And I think that that's a huge lesson for us. Often we always want to fight the big fights and we're like, but we've done no training and no background to that. Uh, I, ran a, um, I ran a marathon a few years back. Um, and, and I trained up to 25 Ks. Trained up for 25 Ks and I was like, Psh, I got this. Ran it, hit the 25K mark, almost went to hospital, almost needed resuscitating because I just died. The last 15K, I don't know what it was, was just pure insanity. Like, it was just like, God, if I die today, let me die. As I crossed the finish line, I want to finish this marathon, God. But it was just, you know, but if a person is training, training, training in the small and builds up incrementally, he will be stronger. I would have been stronger to finish that race properly. It's the same thing with our battles. Are you still with me? We take down giants by winning in the small things. Secondly, I'm almost, almost done. Secondly, we take down giants with the sword of the Spirit. David says in verse 45 to the Philistines, you come with me at a sword and a spear and a javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. David understood that his weapons to defeat the giant Goliath was not in the swords of the natural, but in the power of God. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. When we fight with the promises of God, this is what happens. When we fight our giants, we don't throw with spears and, um, sorry, when we face our giants and they begin to throw their spears and attacks on us, we go to attack. We go to the offense. We don't go to the defense. We go to his word. So when anger, the giant of anger begins to rage, we fight in his word and we declare Ephesians 1.20, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. When the giant of anger comes towards me, I'm I'm saying, be quick to listen, Helen, slow to speak, slow to anger. When the giant of fear looms ahead, us, ahead of us, we fight with his word and we declare Psalms 27, 1 to 2, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advances against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. When the, giants are, when the giant of having backslidden kids laugh at you and mock you and torment you and your, t- torment your mind, we fight with the words saying that in, in faith God's promise, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You see, friends, no matter what the giant is, we can take down those giants in our lives by using the word of God, finding it and allowing faith to rise. Nothing is too hard for God. Ephesians 6, 12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we take down giants winning in the small things. We take down giants with his word. And thirdly, we take down giants by focusing on how big God is and not the size of our problem. Too many of us, and I'm guilty as well, we fix our eyes on how big our problem is, but we don't look at how big our God is. See, the Israelites were too busy comparing how huge Goliath was with his sword, how huge his his feet were, how mean he looked. They took the eyes off God, but not David. David sees Goliath, and he's, honestly, I loved David's confidence. I reckon that they thought that David, when they're down at the battleground, like, this guy is bots. This guy thinks he knows it all. He wants to be in everything. But I think David just had a confidence in his God. 
He just kept his eyes on God. You may be big, but my God's bigger. You may look mean, but man, you haven't seen my God at work. Church, when we begin to focus and declare to our giants how big our God is, our giants will come down. So we take down giants by winning in the small things. We take down giants by the sword, by the word of God. We take down giants by fixing our eyes on how big our God is and not on our problems. And we take down giants by remembering our past victories. David was like, I remembered when God delivered me from a lion. I remembered when God delivered me from a bear. God, I remember that you appointed me to be the next king. God, I remember the promises that you have for me. God, I remember how, you, how I prayed and you broke through for me. I fasted for something, God, and you answered me. I, ne- I had a need, God, and you brought me through. We take down giants when we remember where God has, how far God has brought us and where we're at. Man, I could be nothing. I am nothing, God. And I'm only here by the grace of God. And where you will take me is only the goodness of God in my life. If we, get, if we can't remember our past victories, the giants will take us down. So as I, um, as I wrap up, if I can have the band up. I'm running out of time. Sorry, team. When we remember how much God has delivered us, how God has saved us, how God has won our victories in the past, that's where our faith and confidence comes from. This morning, you may, your giant may be a personal issue that keeps flaring up. Your giant may be a financial hardship. Your giant may be a fear of your future or low self-esteem or confidence. Your giant may be reminding you, reminding you that you can't change for the better. Your giant might be the disappointment of the past and how you can't let it go. But if you remember the story of David and how he took down Goliath, how David won in the small things, how David looked and kept his eyes on God and not on how big his problem was, I know it's easy to look at our giants and go, man, how can I get through this? But if we keep our eyes on who God is, that's how big He is. God, I got nothing. But if I keep my eyes on you and and how big you are and how you've always saved me and how you've rescued me and how you've always delivered and you're faithful to your word and how when you use the word of God against your giants, you can be confident that the giants that you face today will come down. You look at the life of David and you're like, if David can take down a Goliath God, then I can take down mine. Isaiah 54 verse 17, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Romans 8, 37, you are more than conquerors. 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Love, power, and a sound mind. And 1 John, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. If you can bow your heads this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, 
for your word, God. And I thank you, Father, that every giant that we face this morning is coming down in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that as you train us to be faithful in the small, Father, as you train us, Lord God, to remember, Lord, the victories and what you have brought us through and what you have delivered us and where we are now, Lord Father. Father, as we take your word, Lord, by faith and we declare it to our giants, Lord Father, as we keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord, we know that every giant we face today will come down in Jesus' name. Father, would you release a fresh hope in your people? Lord, release a fresh um, hunger, Lord, to go after the giants in our lives, Father. In Jesus' name.